Acts chapter 9. I want to thank all of you for memorizing Scripture. Tanika is doing a real awesome job in Sunday school. She's been teaching over the last couple of months, and she's been going through a series. And it's just so powerful when you're talking about apologetics. Apologetics is a defense of the gospel. It is a defense of the word of God. So when you hear the word apologetics, it's not talking about an apology that a person is making, but it's talking about a defense of the gospel. When you think about the apostle Paul, Paul was an apologist. He was one that greatly defended the word of God. You need to be a defender of the word of God. Bottom line. Today, the world is defending what they believe, whether it is right or wrong. The world is on a collision course with the church. And if you're not careful, you will find yourself trying to make agreements with the world on things where the Bible says we are not to compromise on. There are areas in life where there is great debate and great argument, not a problem. But when it comes to the essentials of the Word of God, there can be no compromise. And yet the world is saying that they want the church to compromise. And we have come to the conclusion that somehow if there is something that I don't understand or something that does not quite make sense to me, because it does not make sense to me, therefore it should be void and null, it should be nullified because I don't understand it. And we need to understand that you don't understand everything there is about God. God did some things and he did not get your permission nor did he ask you to give him counsel. So when you think about things that you don't know, you can just simply say, I don't know. But we have a God that knows all things. If Saul was the person that God was going to use, well, let, me, let me say it this way. When you look at the life of Saul, he would be a person that you definitely would not choose. It's not a person that you want to bring home to mama. It's not a person that you would have said, come and meet my family. Most of my family are Christians. <laughs> you wouldn't have been calling Saul. Uh, but that's the difference between how we make decisions and how God makes decisions. God makes decisions by looking into eternity. He, he makes decisions in knowing the beginning and the end. We make decisions oftentimes simply by how we feel or what we think. And our decisions are not always based on sound judgment. God oftentimes will use those things that we would consider to be things that we shouldn't use. He takes the very things that are uh, uh, um, weak, the very things that people despise, and he raises them up in such a magnificent way to where you have to say only God could do that. 
When you look at your life, look at my life, only God could do that. Here I am running down the street throwing rocks at cars and on all, all kinds of stuff I ain't telling you about. Um, <laughs> but God looked down through eternity and said, one day that boy is going to be saved. And he looked at you and said, one day that person is going to be saved. Now, if, you have, if you're not saved, if you have not accepted the Lord... Well, today is the day that you can accept Him. Because He has a plan for your life. He had a plan for Saul's life. And even though Saul was fighting against the church, it was the Lord that called him. I'm going to pick up again at chapter 9. And I'm going to begin Acts 9 and verse number 11. Now, last time I began in verse 1, and I'm going to read 11 through 22. And it says, the Lord told him, talking about Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. You need to note that. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen servant to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by providing, by proving rather, that Jesus is the Messiah. Again, our title is Saul Called to Serve. This is part two. Bow your heads, please, briefly with me. We love you today. God, speak the word to your servant. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I won't be before you very long. Last week we mentioned that when Jesus called Saul and Saul answered the Lord, that Saul actually was calling or saying to Jesus, yes, God, or yes, Lord. He actually used the word that was not just talking about a Lord where a person used that term as a way of greeting 
or a person that was in authority, but he actually used the word relating to God. And he then said, Jesus then says, um, so why are you persecuting me? Persecuting me? But before he said that, he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. When the Lord says, I said, I am, I mentioned last time that the word I am or the name I am relates back to the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. When the Lord said to Moses, God said to Moses, tell the people I am that I am. Now, that's a very interesting name because that name I am is I am everything and anything that I need to be. There is nothing in me that's deficient. When you think about God, we were talking on Wednesday, when you look at this world and, and all the things that God has made, everything God saw from the beginning, all the technology. I just got a phone. An iPhone. I, I, I came out of the prehistoric era with my phone, and I have updated <laughs> to an iPhone a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you, even at, some years ago when I was at my office, I had to finally leave DOS on the computer for those who know DOS and move on up to Windows. I didn't want to leave because I was familiar. <laughs> but I went out and got a phone. And I'm thinking, this is wonderful. Then programming and working with it. And today I discovered something. Brother George was right there. If there's a name that it does not know or recognize or it, or it pronounces it at, in a certain way, you can say, well, how should I change, say the name? And you can tell it, and it will remember it. That was new to me. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm trying to call my nephew Sholaya, and it, it calls him Shola. And so, no, that's not the name. So how should I pronounce it? Shola? Shola? I'll remember that next time he told me. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, look at this. I'm driving down the road, and, and there was a text message. And, you know, you're not supposed to read your messages. And, and, and so I pushed my little Bluetooth that I've had for a while and, and said, um, uh, check, my, check my text. You have three texts. Would you like me to read them? <laughs> well, well, yes. This text is from such and such, and this is what it says. I said, oh, Look at this. Would you like to reply? Yes, I would like to reply. <laughs> so I'm carrying on the conversation. Then it says, ready to send. <laughs> Go ahead and send it. <laughs> oh, I'm just having a blast with this phone. Y'all need to get one of these. <laughs> and then I... I Come to discover that 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 you know most people can link their as you know your computers to your 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 emails at work. I have a couple computers, but the one at my job is networked, and so I just had to go through and program, get the pop address, do all the different. But it it now gives me my emails, and so I ain't got to wait till the end of the day if I got meetings all day to respond to people. It will bring all my messages in, and and so for my Comcast and my other job. So this has just been a blessing, and I think wow. God planned all of this in from the beginning. That's the kind of God that we serve. Do you know that God has no limits? When we say that God is omniscient, 
omni, he knows everything. If I was to say that God is omnipresent, what would you think? He's everywhere present at the same time. And if I said that God is omnipotent, that means that he is all-powerful. Omni, omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he knows everything. He's all scientific. He knows everything there is to know. And he's everywhere present at the same time. And when I consider that this is a God that we serve, and that the technology that we see today was already here when God created the world in the six days. Not nothing new. It was already planned in. And that's God's foreknowledge. He knew what was going to take place. When you think about how awesome God is, how great God is, and that he knows everything there is to know, why wouldn't you trust your destiny to him? Why would you tell God that I'm going to take this back in my own hands and I can handle it from here, Lord, and you can't even see who's outside the door? When we look at the apostle Saul, You wouldn't have chosen him because he was one that was persecuting the church. But God looked throughout eternity and he said, even in Jeremiah 1.5, to before, Jeremiah, you were even born. I knew you. Before you were even born or conceived in the womb, I knew you. That's Jeremiah 1.5. Saul was known by God from the very beginning, and the Lord had already placed a call upon his life. Saul just didn't know it. And yet the very person that we would have said, no, that person can't be used by God, is the very person that God is using. He took Mary Magdalene, cleaned her up, turned her around. And she became one of those women that followed Jesus and was even at the cross. The very outcast of society, God has been doing a work with. That's what God does. He takes those things that people say nothing can be done with. And when a person is feeling down and sad, or a person is feeling like, oh my goodness, there's nothing good within me. God says, now I can use you. That's the God that we serve. Saul, in his zeal to destroy the church, was willing to travel over 120 miles to Damascus to kill the church. Now remember, he was already standing there with the coats of the people that killed Stephen. And the Bible says that then Saul went to the high priest to get letters to go to Damascus. And we said that Damascus was at least 120 miles, and they didn't have no bins. Or Volkswagen, like I used to drive. (laughs) They didn't have no scooters. You go to Africa, my sister tell me, it was crazy, don't, don't, yeah, go ahead and cross the street, step out on the street if you want to, you will get run over. (laughs) Here, people are all brave, they're going to walk out... Walk out across the street. Come across there to the Burger King. They don't get this. Walk out across. Don't do that in Africa. You will get hit. (laughs) 
They have those mopeds, and they will have ten people on those mopeds. <laughs> on the freeway lanes? No, just find a place and go. Five cars in one lane. <laughs> A row for four cars and it's ten going through. Oh, no. <laughs> when we think of the travel, this brother had to walk or ride his donkey. But he traveled because he was going to persecute the church. Do you not know that God knows how to stop you riding your tracks? Saul was persecuting Jesus. And one of the things that we need to understand is when people are bothering the children of God. They are messing with the apple of his eye. When the Bible talks about us not having to fight our own battles, it's because we have the Creator who knows exactly what to do to protect us. See, we are in the habit of giving, getting even with people. No, no, no. See, see, I'm one of those people that when something happens, I want to see it. Somebody do me, I want to see a guy, you, you going to get Lord, but I want to see what you do. <laughs> no, no, no. Leave it in God's hand. There are times when the Lord is doing a work and we interfere. Now I'm going to say this because it's a little off my subject. There are times even with our children we will interfere when God has to teach them a lesson. And sometimes parents will intervene when the Lord says, I'm doing it, and the Lord then will just take a reprieve because we have intervened. At times, that needs to happen. There are times when parents are always rescuing their children, and they shouldn't. There are times when clearly it needs to happen, but there are times when children just won't listen. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. The moment they get in trouble, the parents are going to bail them out. There are some necessary things that kids need to experience. The Lord allowed Saul to have his necessary experience. And even when he was going to become a Christian, there were still things he was going to have to deal with. Now, when the Lord told Saul that you get up from there and go to Damascus, now there's something that we need to note. When Saul was on his way, the Bible says that he had to be led by the hand. And when he opened his eyes, the Bible says that he could not see. <laughs> Blinded by the glory of the Almighty God. Now can you imagine that you are going to kill the people in the church and, take, and actually take them back to Jerusalem? Chaining them? And now you are going to the very place and you can't see? You are now at the disposal of those individuals. And here Saul now is in Damascus at this house. And the Bible says that he does not eat for three days. And the Lord has already now told Ananias, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Is it Straight Street? And I want you to inquire of a man there by the name of Saul. And so, ho, 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 I've heard about this brother. The Lord said something interesting. You know, behold. He's my instrument, and he's praying. People that are praying, you really don't have to fear. This man who had been a, 
a, a murderer, a killer of the church, the Bible says, God says, he is praying. I'm standing in line the other day. In fact, it was Friday at the bank. And a young lady, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> and a young lady, we were talking, known, grow, grown, grew up with her over the years here in Marin City. I might give her a name, I might not. But I told her a certain person was now saved. And she stopped and looked at me. Pardon me? <laughs> when? <laughs> and I told, this per- I told her, told her what this person was now doing. And she said, no, not. I remember this person used to come to my house every day, and they were doing this with, with some rolled up stuff, and they put a little stuff in it called little, that little grass and stuff out there. And they, not that kind of grass, but you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and she just kept looking. And she said, his name, she kept saying his name. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. And she was blown away. She said, I didn't know. It's only been a number of years. Then she said something interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to start going to church. (laughs) And she looked at me again as I'm standing in line. Really? (laughs) Yes, it's true. And thinking about the, and so very quickly, all the things that she used to see this person doing, all those thoughts came to her mind when she now understood that this person had given their life to the Lord. And she couldn't believe it. And so the church saying, Saul? Saul, the one that came here is, is what? The Bible says that when Ananias went to go pray for him, two things happened. One, the scales that were on his eyes, like scales on a fish, fell from his eyes. And also that he would receive the Holy Spirit. When that prayer took place, Saul became a servant of the Almighty God. And the Bible says that he immediately began to preach the word of God. Those in Damascus are thinking, Saul? The, the, the one that came here to persecute, us, to persecute us? He's doing what? But when that brother went back to Jerusalem, brother Christian said, mm-mm. No. <laughs> they wouldn't let him in. Now I'm going to give you an example. Church is going on. And somebody said, Saul's on his way. Go lock the door. <laughs> lock the door. Don't open it. I don't care how much you Don't open that door. It's a trick. Saul ain't saved. It's a trick. He's coming back because we know he got letters from the high priest to kill the church. But no, no. This Saul that God called is a man that is now on fire for God. Now, one of the things that we need to understand as I bring this to a conclusion is that Saul was a very educated man. Remember at the age of 20, I said around 20, he already had two degrees equivalent of two PhDs. He was a young man that, that was well-schooled. So as he now began to teach, he taught that Jesus really is the Messiah. 
the very one that the Jewish people that were, were rejecting and the very one that he was fighting against, he is now defending. He is a defender of the faith. My dad, when he was growing up, tell two stories quickly here. And that is, one, he has a brother named Freddie. His name is Fred. My dad's name is Fred, right? Dad said that he went down the road, had a baby with his, his mom, and then went down the road and dropped off another one. <laughs> and Fred and Freddie. <laughs> I recall that when we used to go back east, we used to go to Richmond, Virginia. Man, I tell you, it, it was wonderful going back there because you knew you were going to be able to eat a lot of food and have some iced tea. <laughs> iced tea was a staple back in D.C. Iced tea. But my brother told me, my, my uncle told me, the man, your, your daddy was something else. Your, your, your man, he, he was something. Nobody messed with him. One day, <laughs> and he called, he was telling the story. Somebody messed with him, and he got upset and ran to that person, picked up a brick on the way, and boom, hit this person with a brick. I go, Wow! <laughs> He was bad. He was bad. You didn't mess with him. Oh, no, no. The people bought and he'll cut you. <laughs> yes, sir. You didn't mess with the Rev back in the day. Even today, you had to be careful. I mean, those days, you had to be a little careful before you passed. You had to be careful. You had to approach him a certain way. Then there was another occasion where God spared his life. Back home, he had, was walking and some kids had mistreated him and he had his nice suit on and, and did something to him, to him. And he got up and said, you wait. And went home, going at the house to go get his shotgun. Got the gun and his uncle saw him and stopped him. And would they come to find out that those individuals were waiting for him along the road as he was going to be heading back to kill them? With a shotgun in hand, he was going to go get them. But God intervened. There's many stories where God intervened in his life because God had a plan that he saw from the very beginning, before he was in the womb, Way down into eternity, says, no, no, you've got to be in Marin City, the place that you cried and fought you're going to cry over, that you don't want to because you want to go back to D.C. No, no, you've got to stay in Marin City. Because <laughs> God had a plan for his life. When the Lord changed Saul and he became a defender of the gospel, the very ones where he was getting letters from and the very ones that were supporting him began trying to kill him. And as they sought to kill Saul, and people got word of it, they were sending him, Saul, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave, they're out to kill you now. The race that we are in is a race unto the death. There are people who would want to kill you for your belief. There's a pastor Saeed in Iran right now who's in prison because he will not 
denied Jesus Christ. He, he, he changed from being a Muslim to Christianity. And even though back in 2000, when he was working with the government to help build orphanages, he was arrested a couple of years ago for that particular thing he was doing with the new regime, saying, we are charging you with war crimes. And this man is in jail today because he won't deny Jesus Christ. His family's been fighting for him. His children are crying every night. But God, from eternity, had a plan for his life. Now today, this country should not be silent when he's in prison. We need to learn to stand for the word of God and for people being mistreated. Can you imagine being in a different country and because you say Jesus Christ, they want to kill you? So they took this man. When his name came up for his release and talking about him, they put him even in a worse prison with actual murderers, rapists. When we think about Jesus Christ, do you not know that there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved except the name Jesus? Only one name brings about the type of hatred in this world and throughout society, the name of Jesus. It's him that calls Saul, Pastor Saeed, my dad, me, and you. God has a call on your life, and the question is, have you responded to the call? If God has already orchestrated your life, are you on the path here that he is leading you? Or are you on this path where he's not? If you are on a different path than what God has called you to be on, it's a dangerous road. Saul was willing to die for his faith. And today, we are concerned when a person laughs at us because we said we believed in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was willing to die on the cross and to take on sins that he never had known for me, for you, to be publicly humiliated, did it for us. And when we, will we stand and tell the world that hates him that I'm one of his? Bow your heads. Today, when we think about how quickly the years pass. Are we wasting time? Or are we making good use of our time? If we've been called by God, are we walking in that calling? Or are we doing everything else under the sun that's going to fade and pass and not even count at the end? Today, Lord, the call that was upon Saul's life <laughs> he responded to as he was knocked off his beast. And as he was blinded by the light, led into the city, he was humbled. A man that was angry, fighting, humbled, 
in an instant and became a man that served God, loved the church, loved the word of God, loved Jesus Christ. Today we are praying that, Lord, we will answer the call. Things that are secondary, we'll keep them as secondary. Things that are primary, we will treat as primary. Things that are eternal, we will live like they are eternal. Things that are perishing, we will push aside. We pray today, Lord, that you will help us to answer the call. For the plan has already been laid out from the very beginning before we were even God in the womb. Bible says, I knew you. I've already planned your life. I've already planned all the things that are to take place. I've got plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Help us to respond to the call of God. Today, when the world wants to cast stones, May we preach the word of God and may we stand boldly. For God, you stood boldly for us on Calvary. We love you today and we are praying that you will have your divine way. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.